Welcome to Unsuitable on Ray Radio, the award-winning financial services and business advisory podcast that challenges your old-school business practices and their traditional business suit culture. Our guests are industry professionals and experts who will challenge you to think beyond the suit and tie while offering you meaningful modern solutions to help enhance your company's growth. I'm your host, Dave Kane. Sooner or later, Father Time catches up with all of us, and as unpleasant as that thought may be, planning for death is, in fact, a necessary part of life. To that end, we certainly couldn't think of a better time to share some critical estate planning tips with you than this week, which also happens to be National Estate Planning Awareness Week. Joining us on today's episode is Dave McCarthy, a principal in Ray's Medina, Ohio office. Dave has a knack for estate planning and trust, and today we're going to really drill into the topic and talk about how to choose an executor, which assets to include in your estate plan, what you should do with that asset list, and what other documents you should have in place before you pass away. And now, since time is of the essence, let's get started. Welcome to Unsuitable, Dave. Good to be here, Dave. Thanks uh, again for making the trip from Medina to uh, Dublin, Ohio. Sure thing. It's an easy drive down 71. And uh, we're going to get right into uh, this this estate uh, topic. But before we get started in some of the topics, let's talk about the President Trump's uh, proposed uh, tax changes in this area. That's maybe a good place to start. Okay. Basically, what what he's what the president's looking to do is is he's trying to say, well, let's get rid of, in essence, the estate tax altogether. You can go back and forth either way, whether you think that's going to happen or not. Fact of the matter is, is it comes down to maybe not necessarily completely removing the estate tax, but maybe they're going to raise the amount up so it only affects the very wealthy and takes, you know, if we're taking more than less than maybe one percent of the of the people who might be affected by that. In theory, that's going to be pretty much what they're probably going to shoot for, and where I where I'm guessing it'll end up. So I, I would imagine the uh, for the uh, this week with uh, National State Planning Awareness Week, the the idea is just to bring awareness that no matter what is happening on the political front, whether it's a Republican, Democrat, or Independent, there's going to be some changes. That doesn't preclude you from doing the state planning. That's correct. You know, I read a stat, and, and, and I believe you may have shared this uh, with us at some point, one of your um, uh, seminars with us, that 50 to 70% of Americans don't have an updated estate plan. Does that sound about right? It's probably that or a little bit worse at this point, without question. Any idea of why, why that is out there? Why think, that number is so high? I, the, I think the number is high because basically people don't want to have to worry about doing that. Uh, the number one question or answer that I get when I say, well, why haven't you done an estate plan? Their answer is, is, well, listen, I'm going to be dead, so I don't have to worry about it. So it's kind of funny that they just, you know, you, that's something you can absolutely procrastinate on. It'll never have an effect on you. And also, as you mentioned, uh, I think, I think uh, our listeners know there's going to be some tax overhaul and probably in the state area that now they may fall under the categories, but still you, you, I, th- I think your belief is you have to do an estate plan even if you're under the estate levels. Correct. Because the, the issue is is that, remember, part of the estate plan is, is not necessarily paying estate tax. But what you have to worry about is is you're trying to transfer your assets that you own to somebody else. And so, therefore, that's, you have to have an orderly transition. And that's the estate plan and we should be talking about today. You know, the comments that, that you and know, I have both heard over our careers, why someone procrastinates, um, could be, I'm too young, 
All property is titled with my spouse, so I don't need a will. Estate planning is only for the super rich. That's probably why you don't have an updated plan, my guess. That is correct. Estate planning is too expensive and too complicated. And we did our wills right after we got married and had kids, along with the political impact. So is that kind of catch-all why the procrastinators out there? That's catch-all. In fact, my parents, they did their wills right after they had kids. And my mom came to me about five years ago and said, hey, I need to update my will. Otherwise, you have to go live with your aunt. And that wasn't an option. That was, that The aunt did not want to have that happen, no. My wife was in favor of it, but not the aunt. There you go. Uh, and I know Anne, and I believe she would be in favor of that. <laughs> you know, let's talk about, uh, I want to cover uh, kind of three areas that we talked about in the intro. One is understanding your estate plan. Uh, second is talk about the list of assets that you would need to uh, uh, get together to do a plan. And know what to do with that list after you make a, a list of your plan. So let's start with understanding your estate plan. Give me one point, two bullet points of where we want to go with trying to understand the estate plan. I think the key thing that you got to remember there is, is when I ask somebody, do you have a will? And they say, yes, I do. And then I ask them the question, I said, well, what does it say? The response almost always is, is, well, you know what? I don't know. I, I think it all goes to my kids. And I'll say to them, I said, what do you think? And so I said, let's take it out and actually read it. And so then I will read the will and then say, well, you tell me what it says. And I'm amazed how they don't necessarily well, I didn't think that's what was supposed to happen. And so reading and understanding the will is probably the key thing. And now everybody's going to say, well, an attorney wrote it, so I can't understand it. But that doesn't mean you can't take it to your CPA and say, hey, bounce this. Let me bounce some stuff off you. What do you think this means? What does it say? And then you can have that conversation. You may have to clear it up with the attorney, but this way, at least you have an idea on what the thing says. Good. You know, one of the other uh, areas or or topics uh, I've heard you lecture on is, is when trying to understand your estate plan is somewhere very early in the process, go over that plan with your spouse. Yeah, that's, that's probably a key thing because typically what happens is, is when you go to the attorney, one person is having a conversation with the attorney. The other spouse is probably drug along, but they're not paying attention. And so then what you've got to do is, is a couple years later, sometimes five, 10 years later, Maybe you need to bounce it off the spouse to say, hey, here's what's going to happen if I pass away, or here's what's going to happen if you pass away. So it's, it's key to at least make sure the spouse knows what's going to happen, because the spouse, if you pass away, is going to have to deal with it. Now, I tell my spouse everything. I suppose you do too, right? Absolutely. Good. And, and they both listen, so they'll be, we'll be in good shape when they hear that. My wife makes the comment, says, hey, you're the CPA. You deal with it. I don't even want to have to worry about it. You know, we also t- talk about you know, going, going over the will and documents um, and your asset list with your spouse. But what about your, your children? If, if, if a family, if there is children in a family, is that also a good idea, recommendation? Sometimes it is, but I don't necessarily make that as a recommendation. And the reason being is, is because in essence, in the scenario where you're giving stuff to the, to the kids, you may not necessarily want to go over that with the kids. It's a good discussion point with your spouse to say, should we? Because there shouldn't be surprises, but at the same time, you've got to tread careful in that area. Okay. With every estate, I would think with every estate, there's, there has to be an executor, somebody that's going to you know, execute the wishes of, of mom and dad, let's say. How do you choose the right executor? Do, do you go Google an executor? 
Well, typically what people do is, is they think I'll make my spouse the executor. And that's nine times out of 10, that's what happens. But then what good happens idea? is bad not, idea? not necessarily, it can be a bad idea because when you look at it, what you're looking for in executors is you're trying to find somebody who is financially responsible. That's the number one aspect of it. They have to be trustworthy also. And probably the last thing that I, and this is one that's important to me is, is they need to be stable. You can't make somebody who doesn't want to do this or doesn't have the capability of doing this, the executor. It makes no sense to make your spouse, if they happen to be 95 years old, the executor of your will. That's not fair to them. And it's not fair to the, the attorney and everybody who's going to have to try to make everything work. You know, that's a tough conversation on your behalf as a trusted advisor to sit down with your client and say, that's not the right executor. We need to make a change. That's a tough conversation. It, it is, but when you go through that aspect of it, they're usually like, yeah, you're right. And so they kind of view that and then they start asking for suggestions on how it can be. And usually we say, well, listen, you probably know somebody who meets those three qualifications. So let's just start going through it. And the reality is, is some don't. And in that scenario, then it comes down to sometimes it can be the CPA to be the executor. Sometimes you can also make an attorney the executor. So there are a lot of different options that can happen there. Okay. We also talked about making a list of assets, and let's talk about uh, samples of assets that go on this list. Let's just say we're sitting there with a client, we have a, you know, a piece of paper or a spreadsheet, Excel spreadsheet, and we just start typing and making a personal financial statement, a list of all the assets. Obviously, the obvious things go on there, the real estate, but then there's some things that probably aren't as obvious that should go on this list. Can you, can you share with our listeners some ideas? Yeah, I think... Even when you're talking about real estate, that's a good example of is to say everybody thinks, well, they have their house, but there might be more than one piece of real estate. You may have real estate in a couple different counties in another state. And so in that aspect, the reason we're having this conversation is, is the person who's making the list knows where these assets are. The executor is not going to necessarily know. It's going to be the executor's job to find out. But by making this list, we can make their job easier. You know, you're talking about the physical assets that you can touch and feel and see. So that that part's probably pretty easy. The real estate could be easy. The real yes. estate, the cars, the vehicles, collectibles, would those go on the list? Collectibles definitely go on the list. The reason being is, is because you've got a, you've, you may have a bunch of different things. Guns are another one that uh, in essence is, is believe it or not, there's a lot of people who have a lot of different guns. In that scenario, that's something that we got to be careful of because if they have guns, People, in essence, also know they have guns. Friends know they have guns, and so it gets around. And so you have to, when you're putting a notice in the paper, that's an example of something you have to be careful about because when somebody sees somebody passes away and they've got a lot of guns, that can cause problems. So the executor knowing this, seeing them on a list, would at that point try to get those guns out of where they're at or make sure they're absolutely secure. So sentimental assets, you know, a Hummel collection, baseball card collection, record collection, anything along that line should go uh, on this list. Correct. And especially not only when you're putting the sentimental assets on the list is, is you have to indicate why they're sentimental. You could have something that is very important to you, but not necessarily anybody in your family knows why. So if you received a chair from your great grandmother or something to that effect, this is where you would put that on the list and then detail out exactly why this is sentimental. That's That way it transfers to the person who's going to receive it, and then they also, it becomes a sentimental asset for them. 
Does life insurance uh, go on the list? Yeah, life insurance is a very important thing to have on the list because what happens is, is you could have, and then what we want to do is, is have the most updated policy. You could have life insurance that could be 20, 30 years old, and we don't necessarily know where that policy is at this point. It could have been the companies have merged together. And so what we want to do is, is not have the policy that was written you know, 30 years ago. We want to make sure we have the updated information also. Let me ask you a personal question. Go ahead. How many passwords do you have personally? I probably have about 10 different passwords for different things. Okay. Now, when we're talking about an estate and assets and bank accounts and all of that stuff, should should I be, if I'm putting my estate plan together, I should be listing my my passwords, I suspect. Well, I don't like to actually put the passwords on the list that you're doing, but I like to have the list say, hey, by the way, I have passwords for everything. I keep those updated, and, and here's where that list is. Everybody's got a list of passwords. It could be in an Excel file with another password. So there's an example of a password you probably want to give out. Yeah, but inventory. In inventory. So in essence is, is that you should have that, you should have that list and then somebody knows should know where that list is. Well, at. that just makes life a little bit easier for the executor to find out uh, uh, where everything is, and then administer the estate. Absolutely. What about debts? Do they go on that list? You said make a list of assets, but um, should I also think about the debts that I have? Right. And the reason being, you need to have the debts is is think about it. The person passes away. Now it's the executor's job to try to figure out wait a minute, how many different credit cards does that person have? And so, you know, they could have three credit cards. They don't know. Maybe they have 10. So they're going to start trying to hunt around. If you've made the list and said, here's all the credit cards I have. And then you know what? When one gets closed, mark on the list that you did have this credit card, but it was closed. That way you're making it easier for the executor. Mm -hmm. Okay. I got this list. It's a great list. Excel spreadsheet. It's like sorted by volume. Have all the, it looks really pretty cool. Great list. Now, what the heck do I do with that list? The, the first two things you do with a list are, number one is, is you give the list to your executor. And by the way, you're going to explain to the executor that you're asking them to be the executor of their will. They have to accept it. They may not. But once they accept, give them a copy of the list. The other thing that I recommend doing is, is giving a copy of the list to your CPA. In essence, is, is if you think about what happens is, is today, CPAs keep everything out in the digital in a digital world. And so there's no safer place to put your list than with your CPA. If you have it stored at home, it could get wrecked by fly fire. The folks in Houston, we've seen the flooding happen. So in essence, their lists are wrecked at this point. So you want to keep it, you want to have it in a safe place. And the CPA is usually a very good place to do that. Great. What about uh, on these lists, you know, we there, there's going to be some retirement accounts, some 401k, some pensions. What do I do about beneficiaries on this list? Again, trying to make it easy for the executor. Well, perfect example is, is I have a conversation. I have a conversation with the client. And in that conversation, I say, well, who's going to be the beneficiaries of this retirement account? And they tell me who it is. I start looking at the list and it's not that person. So one of the ones is, is we want to confirm who the beneficiaries are. And we want to make sure that there are contingent beneficiaries on that list. Very important. So typically most people have their spouse. Well, what happens if you and your spouse are in a car accident and both pass away? That's what the contingent beneficiaries come in play for. So you want to have those also listed out. 
So we get this list. How often would you recommend that that list is updated? Do I do it annually when I do my tax return or, you know, every couple of years, depending on what's going on in my life? I would love to see it done annually, but I'm not, I'm going to say if you do it every three years, you're making me happy. The other thing is, is if you imagine anytime you have a scenario where, you know, have a life-changing event, that's probably the key time to do an up to update the list. But if you're doing it at least every three years, that's usually sufficient. Okay. Yeah, you know, we talk about estate planning, and really, this is more of financial wellness, not necessarily estate planning. Estate planning is a byproduct, but it's a good exercise for anybody of every age to go through and set some financial goals. Exactly. And so, from the if you think about if you think about you're going to have your CPA and your attorney are going to help with the estate plan. So after that's done, these are the important steps. This I call it this wellness checkup they can go through that and in essence, make sure that they get everything cleaned up. Is there any way I can, I can simplify my life as I age on the estate? Um, you know, I, I'm thinking right off the top, I might have four different bank accounts and four different banks because in one bank, I got a, um, interest rate that was 1.25%. That's exactly right. So in essence, you know, you know how we get there. Somebody goes to a, opens a CD in a separate bank account solely because they may have got another half a percent interest. As you start to age, what you have to think about is, is you want to try to simplify your life. And so you don't need to have a bank account spread out in every single bank in the county. You're better off trying to come up with a plan to say, let's start to move this so you deal more or less with one bank, one brokerage account. I promise you, anybody who does this as they age it will make their life much simpler and much easier. It's very difficult as somebody ages to try to start tracking all the stuff they used to track when they were 40, 50, and 60. You get into your 70s and your 80s. Trust me, my clients have said the same thing. That's the best thing they've ever done is is when they start moving towards simplification. What about the credit cards that I've opened and paid off over the years that maybe are still open? Do I leave those open just in case? No, the goal is is that if you have them, get them. If you have them, you're not using them, get them closed. Remember, you can always run a credit report with one of the three agencies to see which credit cards that you may still have open and haven't used in two or three years. It just makes sense to get those closed. Again, that's part of the simplification process. You know, let's continue on with the simplification uh, discussion. What about if I have some assets that I want to get to a family member? Uh, is now the time to do it, or should I make a exhibit in the will? You know, it's that it's that painting in the in the dining room table that I want you to have. I what I usually like to say on something of this is is that why not? And as you're simplifying your life, why not consider giving some of those sentimental things and those collectibles away? The number one reason to do it isn't just for simplification, but you're going to start seeing the family members and you're going to see that they, they really appreciate the fact that you're giving them something. You get to actually see what you're giving away instead of giving away everything after you pass away. Uh, most people that I have talked to that have started to do this, they said it has been a very enjoyable experience. So again, that's part of the financial wellness that you talked about. Absolutely. You know, let's talk about the right documents. We, we touched on a couple uh, uh, documents. Uh, we probably won't have enough time to get into trust uh, documents and things like that, but you mentioned will. Yes. A will, and I think most of our listeners would would have a will. Uh, but what about the other things uh, that you would want to see that are that are 
easily, we can easily put our hands on it. Where are they? What are those documents and what do they look like? Uh, the, the second one after the will would have to be a durable power of attorney. And so what you want to do is, is in case something happens to you and you don't pass away, but you're unable to make decisions for yourself, that durable power of attorney is what helps somebody, you're indicating who you want to, in essence, to be in charge of your life while you're alive. The, the next thing would be a healthcare power of attorney or a healthcare directive. In essence, is, is that states that if you get very sick, what type of, what type of additional treatment do you want to have happen? Um, and then, in essence, is, is the trust is another possibility. Not necessarily everybody should have a trust, but if there's for some reason after you pass away that you're still trying to control some type of asset, or not necessarily dish it out to some of the beneficiaries, that would be the reason for the trust. But those top three absolutely are a necessity. Our guest today has been Dave McCarthy, a principal with Ray & Associates in Medina, Ohio. And you can tell by the conversation, Dave is very famous for uh, estate and trust planning and financial wellness with his clients. I think the folks at the National Association of Estate Planning and Councils would be uh, very proud of you representing them this week and the National Estate Planning Awareness Week. Some great tips. So appreciate that. Thanks, Dave. And again, thanks for uh, joining us on Unsuitable. It was good to be here. Listeners, would you like to learn more about estate planning? We've included a variety of helpful topics on our website at raycpa.com podcast. And if you like this episode, do us a favor and share it with your professional network. Ray and Associates is active on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can use hashtag Ray Radio to follow the conversation. Until next time, I'm Dave Kane, encouraging you to loosen up your tie and think outside the box.